Good evening, everybody, and welcome. This is Tevo Creative Leadership, and we're here representing also the DFW Leader Ministry Online Fellowship at onlinefellowship.us. And the reason we're out here, fellow Christians, because on this broadcast, I address every word, everything of every part of our ministry, video, audio, written to Christians who say they're born again, who believe the Bible, and in ministry, anyone else's welcome. You can be a leader if you don't have a title, if you know it from the Lord, your leadership of a family, a business, so to speak. But the idea is we want the people of who say they're born again and love Jesus to get the word out. And I'll put my selahs, my pithy, thought-provoking, intentional, stir up the chaff, see what's wheat and chaff and all of this, everything I say, what's really you know, it started as searching what and who a few years ago. What and who these days is Bible organic. That means organic is without human synthetic additives. So what in Bible teaching, ministry, Christ following is New Testament first church. And then, you know, diverse first church. And then what is back under the law, putting people down, getting a system, being in it for the money, overworking, overachieving, but underloving, that type of thing. So we're going to talk today about hierarchy. And the reason I'm here online with onlinefellowship.us is because I never heard of hierarchy growing up as a pastor's daughter, a white Baptist pastor's daughter, because they're not hierarchical. I'm sure there could be, because they're all spectrums of Baptists. You, know, you could have free will, all these kinds. You could get very, like almost Episcopalian. And at one point, in one point in my life, we sort of, after Dad quit being a full-time pastor, we attended one of the, one of his former professors whom he really loved. And it was like a high, I call it high Baptist. So that was when I was in high school. So I've been around at the leading of the Lord, but my thing today, that was decades ago, and this is about people now discerning what and, tr- what and who is organic in Christ following, in the Bible teaching, in ministry, because you know Jesus is coming soon. We don't want to be shocked that our doctrine was that far, that we didn't work hard enough to let people know and win the lost, or that we were so racist and biased and bigoted that Jesus says, you know what? Depart from me. You never knew me. I never knew you. So there are a lot of things that right now, because of the media age, the weird age that we live in, that we could go back and really research privately, especially if you have more time on your hands because of the COVID or anything like that. But the idea is to hear God and then be a community. So I'm going to submit silas, not dogma, And my Selahs, even though I get really passionate, really intense, such as stirring up the hornet, the religious spirit, trying to make people really, who are Christians, get the point we need to think, is this right or wrong? What's the fruit of your doctrine over time? And because of the many rude relationships I had met prior to this moment now, Prior to this relocation back to the East Coast, man, I got a lot of taste of doctrinal bathwaters and some are pretty murky. So the idea is today, let's start again. Let's hear God. Let's say, do we really know about Ephesians 4 with the light of all the different kinds of styles and ministries pre-COVID? Let's think during COVID and getting back to some kind of new norm and then for the future. So I would say let's, you know, you can have all the different calls, niche ministry. I'm a niche ministry to niche ministers, basically. And I know you can't say it all in one broadcast. You can't do it all, but you can get a lot of details or different levels of ministry experience, perception, and know how it works. So that's a grace and, you know, just a learning curve of experience. So when we say, let's think pre-COVID, you know, we have all the Baptist, Methodist, different kinds, non-denominational, Pentecostal, black and white. Everybody's got their spin. 
their niche, their niche, niche ministry. That means they say, well, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We can teach on that more than the other. And the other say, we believe in soul winning and evangelism more. That's our you know, pet call. Then the other one, we build houses and help people and help the poor, servant leader, and others are hierarchical. So there are all these kinds, but the kind that drove me to the Lord was after I grew up and got out to study the body of Christ. After many ministries that started off small and poor and like before they got famous and formal and before they got renowned, they were just the beginning and trickles of charismatic ministry, charismatic TV. I was there before Christian TV, during Christian TV, and now after, you know, what's going on now. So I was there because of God. And I had a pure heart because my parents raised me, you know, just like in that environment. I was there after Billy Graham, let's say, Jesus people move. All the worship hadn't started, but then it did. Praise and worship started. Then you get TV and you get more national ministries that you'd know now, like Word of Faith was just a brand new thing. And, uh, you know, different trickles, Maranatha Ministries, which is Jack Hayford, who was I think if anybody today is a Western European, non-patriarchal, non-whelp, a real apostle, a chief apostle's apostle, if he's still alive today, that man is an apostle. And he was back on the East Coast. I think he's in Texas now. He's back on the West Coast, excuse me, in California. And he started all these things, but he was so low-key and so even-keel and so anti-biased and so anti-gender-biased as well. And more formal than myself, but it was older than myself. But I mean, amazing. And he had servant ministry excellence. And he he's one to study. And then he's formed Maranatha Music. That was before Hosanna Integrity, before what goes on now. So we go back to trace history roots. Well, when all these things are small, as my mother, who's with the Lord, Noni Johnson, as my mother said to me often, every so often, she'd say, because she was a pastor's wife and a mature person, a mature saint, and she'd say, Tavo, you know, the the move that was real, you know, when a new move starts, a new move of God starts, a Christian move, they're the mavericks, they're the outcasts, people that are already more established, that have their ministries going for years, that are accepted in the community, on, accepted in the nation, you know, the denomination is settled in and gotten widespread, they have seminaries and all these different branches and has grown, you know, like a movement can and should, many of them. She says, well, once the people that are formerly poor look down on because they're newbies. Nobody's ever met anybody that kind of Christian before because these are birthing something at God's will, most of them. But however, when they get, or any of us, when we get a move that is cast out, everybody looks down, you're not famous, so you're like, you know, not respected. Well, then when they get commonly expect or they get commonly raised up and people want their stuff and they get to be growing and mushrooming maybe they're now on tv and well recognized everybody's following them all their followers are following you know my mother said this she said tavo the people who used to be poor not looking respected because they had new teaching, new emphasis, revelation that the others didn't have or understand or like, maybe the Holy Spirit, maybe speaking in tongues, maybe renewing your mind in the word, maybe all sorts of things, apostolic ministry teaching. But when those people who used to be like that and looked down on get elevated and their movement gets solid and they make their, you know, they're not scrounging and they're respected, then they start to do it many times. They look down on the next move, the next apostolic move. And that is what has happened all these years. And it happens to me. People do that to me. And my goal, because I remember mommy, mom, and I think, you know, our goal is not to do that in this move of God. There are people that are emerging 
slowly in secret that will come out in the next year, let's say. There are people that have just started coming out now. But yet years ago, back in the 90s, when I was in Virginia before Texas, it was much more calm and peaceful in the Christian community. It was like, oh my gosh, I thought I had spiritual warfare then. No, I had nothing back then, practically, except Phariseeism came into town. I had been raised blissfully well-parented, blissfully ignorant that born-again Christians that believe the Bible, that said they were ministers, would come and get me or try to character assassinate my name without speaking to me one time in a Galatians meek or any time really one but I'm quoting scripture because they omitted it from their part of the Bible those kinds the legalists the hierarchalists you can be a hierarchalist in your attitude if you have less than 50 it's your attitude about legalism and about love so I didn't know that I was blissfully ignorant I'd even been in ministry I'd been my, you know, with my father and mother around town, but I'd been in black and white racial healing in Richmond for a decade, over a decade, maybe almost two decades. When the new moves of God came in, TV started growing, and I'd never known that, you know, you have to be careful. You can say, well, I want to learn more about this type of Christian. I want to know about, about baptism, maybe. I want to know about the Holy Spirit. I want to know about the charismatics. And so it was charismatic. And I didn't know that you could get the good stuff, a lot of really good stuff, like the Holy Spirit, Spirit of Prophecy, all these movies, you know, hearing God better, which is what I, you know, was already doing, you know, but it was so interesting because worship was new, deep worship. However, you don't know that there are other levels of other doctrines, which may be very untoward. That means error, finger pointing that trigger accusation in the group, Phariseeism. So what all the culmination of that time discovering that their ins and outs, caste systems said to say in certain groups, not in others. And to me, I go back because I've withdrawn from all that kind, crazy medic. But I go back and think, man, those Baptists were Methodist Catholics. They believe in community. And man, I'm sure there's a crabby Baptist here and there and a critical one. I'm sure there are all colors. But I'm saying that the the way things are i've never had any christian who is not one of these people like this the critical levitical pharisees that ever jumped me in public without speaking to me that call me the j word the w word spread my name around it and could be to their networks even to texas even to florida because their networks run like that so that was part of the turf of growth, maturing. God used it to mature me. I pulled out of that system, but the spirit of religion, that spirit is such a big demonic. It is demonic. I'm not saying the people are demonic, the Christians, but why would they want to act like an accuser Satan? You know, in the, in the term accuser, in the word accuser written only in two times in the Bible, Genesis 3 in the garden, that we overcome the accuser, him, Revelation 12. It's written in the term of a male. The gender of a male is the accuser. And that is why it's so important as a pastor, prophet, who's a man and a parent, step-parent, that you, and a teacher, pastor, prophet, apostle, that you really are careful with the kind of authority you portray and you do and your moral life. And so now I'm teaching because it's been so, so, so much of this around the nation. And the ones that have done this are white. They were not dark-skinned. And so that's how I started, you know, I started to discern all these, you know, study at the Lord's leading since I was 24. But I realized, what can we do for this new move of God in our nation but when people, you want people to go to hear God, you want to go toward the Holy Spirit, you want to move in the gifts, you want them to know the spirit of prophecy in the land, but you got to make sure they're not going to be wounded, accused, and have their innocence robbed, and then betrayed. If you look on Welp, Western European Levitical Patriarchism, it's really the old-timey shepherding. 
the chief shepherding from the deep south. I don't know where, what they're thought of, but it's a legalism and it's a caste system in a way and pecking order. Some are, some groups are milder. Some are very, very aggressive. And I happen to, God led me where I met both, but the aggressive ones are what spawned Ode to Whelp at the top of online fellowship to us. And it wasn't just me. When I talk about this, this passionately and this long is because I have many years and decades ago, the Lord said, if you see it one time, ignore it something that hurts people, hurts church attending, and hurts Jesus' name, his good, trustworthy name, safe name. If you see something weird once, ignore it. If you see something bad twice, ignore it. If you see it three times or more, I want you to train on it because I'm showing you what I see as a prophet, and I want you to do it because multiply it, it's everywhere. And that is true. And some of these things I must have seen 50 times, at least 25, 50, 90 times in my last 30 years of dealing in the spirit of prophecy and then encountering having Phariseeism find me. I don't look for it. I'm there wanting because I love the Lord. I'm there because I want to be, you know, there if the Lord is leading me. I respect the pastors, but I've never had a dark skinned pastor ever do me like this. I have never done it. That's why it's called whelp. It comes down from the whelp, Western European Levitical patriarchism. It is, in my opinion, no one's ever told me this is like a God thing that I believe. I look at the fruit of whelp. Well, it doesn't like women, it calls them Jezebels. It, it has something against females. It maybe uses a prophetic gift to sins by, you know, just a perversion of the gift. The reason I say that, I go back to the Puritans who came over to Massachusetts and founded the first colony up in New England, the New England patriarchs. <clears throat> well, for all the good they did, wonderful things they did, our history is because of that, the good stuff. Well, you know, there were some weird people in the group as well. Weird Christians with weird false teaching. And that teaching, if you look at the history of America, <clears throat> created the anti-woman, basically the Christian persecution of females, certain kinds of females. And it created the witch doc, you know, the uh, Salem witch trials where some women were murdered. And the evidence that they had sounds like what they're doing right now, this witch watching stuff in some of these groups crazy manic stuff they they you know they must think i had a dream last night and mother mary she she was a witch so they talk about it to their fellow you know levitical patriarchs everybody says yeah i thought she did too and see this is how it happened up in the salem witch trials they had dreams they had vibes but they didn't have physical evidence but still that was submitted in court way back then <clears throat> and the women were put to death also, the women are not respected because when many things, but in the the New England Patriarch famous book by Nathaniel Hawthorne, The Scarlet Letter, about the lady that had to wear the A because she committed adultery, where was the man? It's similar. The reason I can say that is when Jesus Christ was there and the Pharisee men threw the lady at Jesus' feet, who was caught in adultery, <clears throat> and they're wanting to stone her, testing Jesus, they didn't bring the man. Where is the man caught in adultery? When you look at 1 Samuel, the Eli Templeite priesthood, the Levitical patriarch, the lone woman comes before the middle-aged, hierarchical Levitical priest, Eli, experienced jaded, seen it all, done it all, caustic, but also toxic, and he doesn't like women, or he had taken care of his sons who slept with the women that came to the church, his associate pastors, who used the money, but Eli was turned a blind eye, or must have said, boys will be boys, or just he didn't know, he was so dull of discerning. Well, anyway, he's sitting there taking a break on the front of the temple, and here comes this lady, this alone woman, no man beside her, and her shoulders are shaking, and she's she's really in grief, because the other wife has all the children and is rubbing her nose in it, you know, really persecuting Hannah. Well, Hannah's husband wanted her to go, because Hannah was favored by the husband, Elkanah, 
But when you look at it, the symbol of the biased, jaded, caustic and toxic high priest, when he sees a woman, and here he is, the head office, he sees someone, you know, weeping and grieving, and instead he perverts that into that that fault-finding accusation against her and says she's drunk. And he doesn't have compassion. That's why we call, I wrote many articles, the compassion-fatigued Eli High Priesthood, which is out there now, because I kept running into that. God taught me that. He told me these, you know, would reveal that and tell me about it. It's also the same. This Eli Temple High Priesthood of 1 Samuel is what brought down Ichabod on the nation, that kind of priesthood, using women and using God's offering so that it was despised by the people. It said the offering in Eli's and his son's day was despised, just like it is now. Well, the Lord also revealed that Revelation 2, 1 through 8, the letter, the strong rebuke of the Church of Ephesians lampstand for being overworked, but also they lost their first love. That's the same New Testament type of priest as the Eli priesthood, thick of discerning, overworked, seen it all, and all these things. So the issue is there's a need, a real clarity to hear God. We need to hear God and who and what represents Christian ministry. What is our heart if we are ministers? Because God is moving and he is not going to settle for second or third hand Christian servanthood like he used to. I've had that word since I left Virginia and really in the late 90s, I saw some of this Phariseeism. It kept attacking people in our in our area. The religious spirit attacked me. Uh, I, I just am led. I don't go anywhere unless the Lord tells me all my life since I was 18. And I've never wanted to see any of this. I never went looking because I don't think like that. But the Lord has allowed me to stumble onto groups and people and find out. And I know there are other people that are led like this, but I think it's a, I think it's a, a wake up call, really, that there are people that are God is using males and females, black and white, older, young, and we don't know, what, you know, if they're in the audience or not. That's to scare the Pharisee and the the people who use people and all that are sinning that call themselves Christian. I've never said that before, but I will. You know, but back in the day when I was on my discovery and I started hearing in 98 people calling pastors, you know, I was in a gathering. I was raised by a pastor, had favor with pastors. I wasn't a pastor. I am now apostolic pastor and a passel. (laughs) But I just grew up feeling comfortable and I had favor. So I was in the meeting room after a prayer meeting with a couple of pastors in 98. There were small churches. Listen, I'm not... I mean, I have been around Mega, and I've seen, (laughs) I mean, I've seen some here and there, but same thing. But that was when I, before I ever heard of accusation against people for trying to go to church. It was so sad. And see, it wasn't, it's the same kind of group every time the whelp. It isn't the Baptist. It's not the Christians. It's the black, not the black people. I mean, everybody can complain about somebody, but I was in this meeting just standing there waiting to go, waiting on somebody. I don't know what it was, but I was there when I heard these two pastors, middle-aged and also middle-income in a very small community. And they said, one said to the other, I saw your sheep in my church. And the other one furrowed his brow. He frowned and he said, oh, they're church hoppers. And I went, whoa, what did I just hear? I have never heard anything like that. It were charismatic. This I was Baptist, you know, raised, sheltered about this. And it was like, what did I hear? Did they own, did they just imply they own God's people? That those people aren't free to hear God and go, and they have to keep track of them like they own them. That was really a wake-up call for me. And that is everywhere, has been everywhere pre-COVID. I know that the down, you know, the both sides, church hoppers who are, you know, the common depiction is they're grumblers and complainers, because I've been around a lot. I know what they're thinking. They're unloyal. They'll 
shift churches every two years. That's the statistics. They'll do this and they'll do that, undermining. So you can have a spectrum, but then you have to think, well, uh, why aren't we glad they're going to church somewhere? Are we, are we really angry or complaining and calling the misfits because they're going to take their tithe to the next place and we won't get it? I wonder how much is lack of knowledge of Ephesians 4 about a community. Where is the old teaching in Paul that says the church, first church, they didn't have church hoppers. They all church hop because it was house to house. I thought if we had a community, that's why I'm really studying this. That's why I'm really working on this model. Strange that I am. I am working on this model to think how we can have community without name calling, without people being labeled as church hoppers, without being crazy-matic, but be filled with the Spirit. And yes, there are going to be some weird aberrations in people. They are like that. So you will have to have some balance in that. So I thought... What I'm feeling from the Lord is I have a lot of revelation and he's been giving it free revelation. That's what the abundance of the shipwrecks, you know, the abundance of the persecutions, the abundance of this Phariseeism. So I'll, you know, pride and go to the Lord. That's why I teach Paul a lot. He means a lot to me. But I'm saying a lot of this, a lot of ignorance can also play with church hopping issues, criticizing people, all these things. Why? Well, Ephesians 4 says that, well, all of Paul's writings say this, no big eyes, no little U's, everyone getting along in meekness and lowliness, that's Ephesians 4. He is our peace, who's broken down every wall of partition to make us both one, no racism, no partisanship, Ephesians 2.14. He said, everyone walk in meekness and lowliness and long-suffering. Yes, I just said that, but also mutual submission, everyone walking in mutual submission in the fear of the Lord, Ephesians 5.21, in home and spouses in church. What we don't have is this teaching. People don't know about common doctrine, leader common doctrine in Ephesians 4 that builds community. It strips legalism. Also, Apostle Paul came against, who is against elevated ministry and celebrity. He said, don't say I'm just for Apostle Paul or Apostle Apollos, say I'm for Jesus Christ. There are a lot of things we're not hearing and teaching today, and it's causing some of the stuff that is making misfits or making Jesus' name unhappy in the eyes of many people. So we're talking real ministry, and I'm submitting it as Sila in a James 3.17 respectful, easily entreated format. So if I looked at Ephesians 4 and I thought, you know, if everybody around town, let's say that little town I used to live near, if everybody, all the pastors didn't think it was about them and their denomination or non-denomination or their tradition or their church, my four and no more, and they instead thought, Hey, it's like an African proverb. It takes a village to raise God's children. Let's all be on the same team. Jesus is the head coach. We're just part of his suffering saints. And we're going to let God, we're going to, you know, sort of like parent and preach and apostle, but knowing that we're not possessing God's people. We don't want to possess them. That's control. And what if somebody who is black showed up and you were shocked because you're all white. Hey, that's God. Could be God. All right. Same with the black and a white one shows up or a tan one, you know. The other part is, what if there was none of this, that we're Bible, not Christian, Baptist, charismatic, all this type of thing with labels. And, it, you know, the labels aren't that big. It's the preacher and the group and the subgroup who sort of have their parameter. This is my turf. This is our turf. This is the way we have to think we have to do it. And this is our style of music, of dress, of doctrine. So while everyone should hear God about their doctrine and their dress and their style, if you have a club approach 
a turf-protecting approach that's different than having a community. When I had very, very difficult time as a young mother because after the TV scandals, one of the parents in the house sort of parked the car, his car. And stress, warfare to break the marriage up, stress, I was in ministry, but also in marriage, I loved him. And I just didn't know what to do because I needed the Holy Spirit. So I, back then, everybody minded my business. Everybody, because I was a minister, and whatever they do, this Phariseeism had come to town. Even though I had a board, those people that were Pharisees never talked to me. <laughs> and when I got jumped and accused, <laughs> and I said, but I have a board. They said, you're not submitted. You're out of order. You're not under our authority. You know, all this type of stuff that goes on, the hood, the weird stuff. Didn't call me professionally to ask me. Didn't make uh, an appointment to politely Matthew 18, Galatians 6, humbly talk to me to see what was going on. No, it's just jumping and accusing you out in public. That's why I'm so strong about this and made me strong. I had to be, and that's why I'm online, because I want people to have a safe place to go if they're getting jumped out there. Frankly, if they're getting accused in absentia, so it made me go to God and also respect all the people who are not like that because there are a lot more of those. But all it takes is a few to really make you feel like, oh, my stars, I can't believe it. And you get persecuted. So I'm looking at how you can unpersecute people, how you can unaccuse them in the name of Jesus for the end time move. That's the main point of all this teaching. Not to make, oh, yes, she went through all this stuff. Oh, yes. No. I went because God led me like Paul on the deal, you know, suffering. And it was just like, God is with me. But it wasn't all suffering. I mean, God is a riot. I've had a lot of fun, a lot of family along the way, a lot of many good years. But because it's now time to bring, bring this out to avoid accusation, character assassination in ministry, get rid of Phariseeism and teach on community, hey... Now, I'm going to say it. I also talk, as I've shared with people, I've, I talk to people that don't want to go to church. That's my field, my market. So they know, they are, they've already experienced a lot of this. They just need somebody to affirm them that they're not alone and they're not crazy. So I can offend, in fact, God wants me to, I will offend the Christian system. I will, I will offend the legalist. Now, if I saw you on the street, I'd be your friend. But I'm offending the doctrine of control for the sake of the Lord. And I'm a big mouth to do it like I never have been in my life. I didn't want to do this. But when you see me in real life, I'm pretty tame. I'm maybe funny or I might be quiet. I'm not going to do this because that's, if I'm somebody's church, I don't do this. But the issue is that people are so confused and so messed up and so mixed up and Christians are. So I don't, I'm talking to the Christian. We got to get you straight. Make sure you go into heaven first. Make sure you got a pure heart because God, by the Lord says in his Bible, blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. That means if you're not pure in heart, you're going to miss God or you're going to get confused and teach weird doctrine. If you are unforgiving, viewing sexual perversion, watching things you shouldn't, hearing things you shouldn't, doing things you shouldn't, messing with God's women or men, messing with God's offering and his money, messing with your mama, and your daddy, who you're not respecting, if you're doing things that are not pure in heart, that's between you and the Lord. Doing things violently, beating people, being a racist, being an accuser, being a child abuser, child pornographer, whatever, horrible stuff, and a minister and a Christian, then you're going to miss it because you're, you're not pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. How does that mean that? It can mean, blessed are the pure in heart. They shall perceive God and the Holy Spirit in His way. 
more accurately and more clearly than the ones who don't. You're going to also perceive and see God work on your behalf and bless you and give you the word of the Lord that's true because you're not, you are pure in heart. So blessed are the pure in heart. Do I forgive everybody? If I, do I forgive every Pharisee, every critical spirit, every mean? I mean, some of these people have been mean. They have really been mean to not to pick a lone woman and try to, without confronting her, just accuse her. Yes, I forgave them. I forgave them. I don't deal with them. I don't want to go there. And also, a lot of that is game playing. I feel like God has taken me out of game playing a lot of other people as well. And now let's just see who really is a Christian, whether they go to church or not, whether they have a, if, if they have a, you know, famous name or not, because it isn't about fame, it's about the Lord and his glory. But because I used to be around that, and in that I know it really well, plus I was in Dallas, Fort Worth, the mega capital of all this in ministry, and now I'm out of there. (laughs) But the idea is we want Jesus, the character, flavor, aroma of Jesus on the minister. I would go back, because I'm really upset like Jesus tossing over the temple money changers. I don't care if the people that are powers that be, the famous prophets, the famous prophetesses, the famous preachers, the local pastor that's been there for two decades or one, you know, three. I don't care if they're upset. I love them, but they've had their chance. They've had their time. And now it's time to let God move and speak by anybody, even if he brings out the donkey to do it. Get it out there because it's it's an earthquake of to shake apart the spirit of control, legalism, being too tame, religion. So this is what we're doing. That's why I'm online doing it. That's why I do it as unto the Lord. I'll be honest. I've never been so joyful. I've never been so concerned and really upset at, with ministry as it has been pre-COVID because I remember my dad. I remember people who are not like that. I meet people and know people through my life that are not like that, and their names are getting blamed and accused by media because of all this tomfoolery going on under the name of Christianity. I mean, you can get your name murdered. You could probably get yourself murdered right now by a Christian. I don't know what went on in the deep down part of Dallas in the spirit realm, but there is something pretty dark in the spirit realm. Why? Because there's a lot of false religion there. And there's a lot of false religion everywhere, but there was a lot more. It was thicker, and it was a lot more false religion in the church. How can there be false religion in the church? They're not doing their work, their doctrines off. And there's no love, no love, no real Holy Spirit, and no... Fear of the Lord. Humility. Humility. And that's white, brown, black, and pink, including me, all of us. When I was down there, the word of the Lord would come to me all the time. It was solemn. Psalm 123. And it would zero in on verse 4. Our heart is filled with the contempt of the proud and those who are at ease. My soul is filled with the contempt of the proud and those who are at ease. What is a person's soul, their mind, their will, their emotions? That means pride, superior pride, white pride, brown pride, blue pride. Any kind of pride is perceived by somebody else. It causes rejection. It causes them to feel put down. It causes them to feel accused. The spirit of pride. Look at Leviathan years ago. Somebody in a the campground uh, gave me this verse. A very humble person. I can't remember her name. BJ, I think. She came up and for some reason she shared with me the, the spirit uh, Job 41, the Leviathan. It's the symbol of the sneaky snake of superior pride. Now, everybody's got it because we're human. Nobody's perfect. Yet we can all let God work on it 
and we can all mellow out and ask God and humbly repent, choose to self-humble, self-introspect, and read Job 31. God is the revealer of secrets. Maybe you can pray that. That's Daniel 2.28. He can reveal things you didn't even know about yourself. That's what he's done to me a lot. So I was talking on hierarchy when I began, and I thought, every time I say that word, I think of my dad, who is the opposite of hierarchy. Just go right up, talk to him. Nobody bowed. Nobody scraped. He respected everybody. He was so loving, approachable not a racist. And I think, man, that's like Jesus. So we think of hierarchy. Well, you can have, if you have a big church, you have to have some kind of hierarchy. I was at, I was at a a huge mega church of an African bishop, an African bishop who everybody would know. All right. And I was there because I wanted to visit his church and he was speaking it was T.D. Jakes. And he said these words, but I was there for me to hear because I was wondering about how you grow something and not be this rigid hierarchy bureaucracy that hurts people. And I happened to be that day out of all the days when Bishop Jakes got on the, to preach. And he said, you know, I have 19,000 people. I think he just said, and, I have to have, to make all this happen, I have to have revealed hierarchy. I have to have revealed infrastructure. He didn't even use the word hierarchy. Excuse me, that's my mistake. He said, I have to have revealed infrastructure, but I need to evaluate it and let God speak to me and tweak it every so often. And that was the word of the Lord. And it is now not to have a bureaucracy or a pecking order or a strict, you know, all your generals and helpers and elders and they're strict watching, make sure they're submitted. I say that because I'm submitted. I have board. I've had board in the past. I'm submitted to the Lord and James 3.17, easily entreated and respectful, discerning all boundaries. I'm quiet. I never jump out at people. You know, I never speak out of turn. And I have gotten flack for that. I have gotten judged and jumped. And that is so anti-Christ. It is so anti-loving. It's anti-woman. And I, I think it's just a religious spirit. I don't think, you know, I've never bothered about the woman thing in me. I really don't think about it until God had to teach me because I went to Chauvinism Central in ministry in Dallas. Lord, it's like racism. It got me stirred up about racism because I thought if it's that bad gender bias and you feel it you it's like that spirit of pride it's discerned it's a spirit then what do black people and brown people feel like they have it worse that's what got me all upset with EORR equal opportunity real respect for the office of every human made in God's image and you know maybe you're white and black people have had Racism against you and you feel it. So we got to be equal opportunity, you know, but basically it got me stirred up because that spirit of any kind of bias hurts. It is, and I'm saying it for many people, not me, because I see it, I say it prophetically. It is a spiritually discerned emotionally. It is just like Psalm 123 when the psalmist wrote, my soul is filled with the contempt of the proud and those who are at ease. My soul, my soul feels the bias. My mind see, you know, just knows something's wrong, that they don't like me, that they're projecting accusation, that they're racist, gender biased, lifestyle biased, bigots. All right, my mind, my will, and my emotions, they perceive it. Your spirit man picks it up because it's a spirit. It's a devilish spirit, not Jesus. So we can work on it and pray about it and train, please, about that. So if you have hierarchy, let's go to the hierarchy thing. All right, I was raised not, I really, it's like, to me, it makes me feel it's too formal that I can't, you know, people are not approachable. That's my personal thing. I think, man, they're so stilted and 
every you know then you go to some groups they're fawning over the person it looks like everybody's got their pecking order it's like a caste system certain ones some and like you can said with bishop jakes he has to have in big churches or medium churches you have to have infrastructure it's just how you do it at the, all the departments and levels whether it's effective and living or it's like a dead like a coral reef that scratches people because it's too formal, too legalistic. I can't help you. See, that's what I found when I was down in mega country about 2010 or 2008. I lost my marriage and I was grieving like a widow and I was trying to find a place to go to church. I was trying to find affiliation as a minister. I was trying to find connection of community. And that's when I discovered all this, frankly, religion instead of love. So I went to this one giant church where he had, you know, with many, many other churches under it. They're a giant church. And I went there and I thought, these are, they know the Holy Spirit. And I would go there, good worship for a while. And I tried it out. But when I tried to connect, when I try, whenever I tried to, talk to somebody in my grief. It was like, we don't want anything to do with you unless you join. We don't want anything to do with you unless you join. Plus, people down in the deep south there are not into compassion. They're not into weep with weep. Weep with those who weep or mourn with those who mourn because relationships take too much energy and time and they got so many mega crowds so when i was there i went and i tried it for a while and i thought man i'm seeing this lord like you say you're showing me stuff it was like at the time and this is pre-covid because right now we don't know what's going on with these people but back then i i was shocked because i had seen too much already and my spirit said these people take people for granted that group was taking people for granted because they think you know if we're rude or we're we don't you know if one leaves about god will send us 34 30 more hey if one doesn't you know we'll just keep on our our way our system our formula we'll just you know make it uh impersonal shallow because hey we've seen it all we have a history of having great crowds drawing good people many people and, uh, you know, one, you know, one can just let him move on. God will send me 30 more. And I wondered about that I, to me as a, I really saw it like an apostle. I really saw it like a prophet. I really saw it like in a spiritual sense, not me. It was like, wow, I just didn't know this stuff. It was a revelation. So right now, I wonder what's going on. Cause see afterwards, that was 10 years ago. Afterwards I had gotten, uh, I had gotten a warning for systems. I'd gotten a warning about character in the nation of the Christian ministry, the humanity, the love, the being uh, weep with those who weep, being not the compassion fatigue, dry high priesthood. And I was concerned for the sake of Jesus, for the sake of people not wanting to go to church anymore, for the sake of the young, the sake of the spirit of prophecy, the sake of pastors that are so good, the good ones. And I got in September 19, 2019, I got, look up, Acts 2, and I looked up Acts 2, expecting to read the rush of a mighty wind. And when I read down the chapter of Acts 2, the words rush turned into flush. And there is going to be, said the Lord, a flush of my mighty refining wind for Christian ministry character. And sure enough, later COVID came and shut down the system. <laughs> he rebooted the church. He still is. Whatever is left that is good, let it strengthen what remain. And whatever we did wrong ourselves, let's forgive everybody. And I forgave the Pharisees and let's get rid of the accusation. If anything, accusation and Phariseeism, complaining, looking at people as things, objectifying racism, that type of thing, but also numbers, typecasting, stereotyping, all these things are just, to me, revealing that it's not about people or God, it's about us. So hierarchy is not wrong if it is not a legalistic 
stickler that you look at everybody else and say, you're not under us, or you gossip and say, you know, we're better than everybody. Ours is the only way. So that if somebody doesn't believe in it or they're not your style, you put them down. So I would say order is good. People can govern and manage order in a pastoring sense, in a leadership sense, better than others. Some can be casual, and that's their call. Some can be formal, that's their call. But the thing is, are we minding other people's business in the church? Are we better than everybody? Do we really know the Bible about community, the fear of the Lord, James 3.17, character fruit in relationships? And are we really loving? Are we just doing it uh, because we've gotten in the habit and to survive? We want to love the Lord with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and then love our neighbor as ourselves. That's the, isn't that Shema Israel? The, the, you know, that, or isn't that, maybe I got that wrong, but anyway, isn't that the basic criteria of the Jewish faith, the Hebrew faith, and then us? Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Are we doing that? Have we done that? Can we start again? Yes. Yes, we can. Can we get rid of the Pharisee? Yes. So those are good things we can do. Well, I got to go now. God is good. His mercy endures. It's not your hierarchy. It's your having to... <laughs> it's the legalism, frankly, and accusation and Phariseeism, if anything. Because a hierarchy can go in hierarchical at once. If it just doesn't have its emissaries looking at me saying, you know what, she's in rebellion, she's not submitted, he's not submitted, they're not submitted because they're not doing it like we are. That's it. So therefore you need everybody to get over your legalism and look up Ephesians 4, Common Doctrine, and say that is the basic criteria for every real Christian, the hallmark of a Christian, and that means all of the other commands like Paul's cannot be used to accuse people because they don't do them cannot be used to find fault with people that is when they turn to legalism phariseeism religious good deed doer or religious fault finding instead if you see somebody not fellowshipping with a saint you think that's a sin then you are to pray for them god's love covers a multitude of sin if you're their pastor that you are their person who's got some authority with them and you feel it from the Lord, then go confront them in a polite way and respectful. Love them enough to try to woo them back. But don't just sit over there on your Pharisee high horse and say, talk to the other, call the other Pharisees over and say, you know what? I saw so-and-so. I saw sister so-and-so. I saw brother so-and-so. And they're not doing it like we are. They're not fellowshipping like we are. They're out from under authority because they're not doing it like we are. God is good. His mercy endures. This is Tavo D'Arcy, your sister, signing off for now. Have a great day. God is good. And he's not a legalist. Thank you, Lord. Bye-bye.